0: Two, one, hello everyone and welcome back to the ring. Here as always, is I am the number one Dr. Bob and with me again this week is the one, the only, the Hawaiian lion, the man who brings the passion, the positivity and the intensity, the one and only blowout man. How are you today, blowout man? God bless you warriors.
1: God bless you Dr. Bob and your family and your Ohana. We are doing spectacular sitting here with my, my beautiful wife, Jessica, and we're just amazed to be here in Hawaii. And God bless you all. Let's do this. Starcade 86 was so fantastic. I can't even stop talking.
0: <laughs> you can't, I can't get a, get a word in edgewise. Uh, Starcade 86. Yes, that's right. That is the subject of today's show. It was a hell of a show. We've been trying to get this one done for a hot minute. And it just seemed like something kept coming up, kept coming up, kept coming up. But uh, we finally got it done here on the uh, season two finale of Back to the Ring, um, Starcade '86: Night of the Skywalkers. Uh, takes place in two venues. Uh, we got the Greensboro uh, Memorial Auditorium in North Carolina, or I think it's the I think it's the auditorium, and the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and the Omni Center. Yes. And there's two uh, sets of uh, announcers in Greensboro. There's Bob Cottle and Johnny Weaver. And in the Omni in Atlanta, there's Tony. And I don't remember the other guy's name. I never – I don't even think I ever saw it again during the pay-per-view. So uh, I have no idea what his name is. You sure it is. wasn't
1: – it wasn't Crockett, right?
0: No. No, it wasn't, it wasn't David, David Crockett. Crockett that one time? No. Yeah. But other but than to
1: that, funny, he, he really says some really spectacular things in this um, in this Stargate 86. If you follow along with his with his energy. hmm. Then all of the all of the spots that you see are all 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 believable and all good to watch because Tony Schiavone is very much into every everything that's going on.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Tony is very high energy, and then and on the on the other side you have Bob Cottle and Johnny Weaver who are a little lower on energy but very very good on. The, the technicalities and the uh the in and ins and outs of what's going on in the ring and why somebody's doing what they're doing so uh just a really good very odd pairings because i don't think johnny weaver did a whole lot with there but i have a feeling this is one of those uh we're going to bring in people from other uh promotions to kind of uh, uh feel like they're involved in starcade 86 because I mean, let's face it, a lot of – pretty much everything in Starcade 86 was just about straight out of Jim Crockett promotion stuff. You know what I mean? I
1: liked it. I liked the uh, the announcements in the very beginning. Uh, Cadence that they had right before they did the, the national anthem mm-hmm. was uh, really epic because that's – before social media and stuff like that, you know, that's that's the flag. That's what represents America. When you get mm-hmm. that cadence, that drum. That jump- Oh yeah, yeah,
0: I got you. Right there, right, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, right before it started, I think it's um snares when they hit the snares right before they started. I was bum 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 bum. I was ready to go. <laughs> I like that old-fashioned style when they start the show.
0: But uh yeah, I definitely so uh we get the national anthem little opener and everything and then we get pretty much right into the action with uh Tim Horner and Nelson Royal versus uh Don and Rocky Crenodal. Now uh Don Crenodal was known for uh, being he was the tag team partner with uh, Sergeant Slaughter when Slaughter was cool. a heel, I believe. Um, and then, of course, we've seen Tim Horder off and on on the uh, the TBS show. Nelson Royal is a um, an old hat, and a, Rocky is, I actually think Rocky might be Cronodal's son, but but they call him brothers either way. Um, so was Carnudel General Agnon or no? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, um, that was uh, that was somebody completely different. But uh, it was yes. it, it was better than your usual opening match. I'll give them that. Like you know, usually these matches starts
1: out starts out with a deep armbar.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Uh, Don and Rocky really looked good. Uh, professional looked like they were doing. Especially Don, I was impressed with him. I'd never seen him wrestle a whole lot, so I was like, oh, he looks good, and um. Horner ends up winning by reversing a sunset roll up. I, I didn't take a whole lot of notes on this one because it wasn't, I you know, a big advertised match, and I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, better than usual. Uh, uh, first match. I ended up giving it a C plus. What do you think? I thought it was fun to start out the the the, the match uh, the show because,
1: uh, they, they they sort of fit they fit right in as a as an opener match. that's not two two known guys mm-hmm. that are too known, but. They're in there. They're in there hitting those 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 cables, yep. and you hear the cables um, bouncing off their backs, mm-hmm. and it's it's like it's reinforced cable with like uh, some sort of rubber tubing around it, and you hear like <laughs> <laughs> clack
0: clack
1: clack clack <laughs> clack yeah. every time they hit the cable. Um, and so, like even though they're not like very known men you know you're in for a, a, good, a good wrestling fight. Oh, yeah. And so it started out with Stargate doing all that, bam, 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 with the lasers going everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then they got that cool music going on. And then, uh, yeah, they, they say, Tim Horner, Rocky Canoodle. And you're like, all right, let's go.
0: <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I gave it a C+, yeah. better than your average opening match. Um, but then after that, we really start to get into it. Uh, the next match was Brad Armstrong, Versus gorgeous Jimmy Garvin with Precious. Um, and this is a 10-second count match. Yeah. This was a uh, – no, this wasn't the 10-second count match. That's the Ronnie Garvin match. Oh, This is oh, Jimmy Ryan, Garvin. You're right. My bad. Yep. Yeah, Jimmy Garvin. Yeah. Uh, I wrote uh, – because it starts off really um, uh, uh, kind of punchy. Like, they, are they wrestling? Or are they in a fight? Because these two guys, like, start off like they just hate each other, even in their, when they're lo- locked up. Like, they're pushing each other around and slapping each other inside the head. Uh, Armstrong finally gets a good advantage. Uh, lots of uh, technical or uh, amateur-style wrestling kind of slows it down. There's a good spot where Precious causes a distraction that ca- lets Garvin uh, pull or use uh, Armstrong's hair to gain the advantage. Um,
1: oh, that was great. My, my beautiful wife, Jessica, she was loving it when she saw Precious. She She's all, shut up! and get away from him and you're a loser i thought it was pretty good she's really good with her uh what she did what she does
0: oh yeah precious doesn't shut up the whole match and it just gets worse yeah. as the match goes along she gets louder and louder um, yes but uh <laughs> there's a there's a pretty good hope spot but garvin uses the hair again and then he gets caught using the tights on a roll-up uh and then uh yeah precious won't stop talking the whole time uh armstrong gets sent to the outside Come back in. There's a uh, – well, this was also a uh, – had a time limit. It was a 15-minute time limit because um, there's a uh, double KO at two minutes left where they both get knocked down. Uh, lots yep. of uh, good two counts down the stretch. Uh, Garvin goes off the top at the bell. Like right as the bell rings, rings he's coming off the top rope. So it ends up being a, uh, a time limit draw. But then uh they kinda get heat on each other afterwards, like they don't want to stop fighting. And finally Garvin rolls to the outside. And as he's walking off, he's he's he says to Armstrong, You're lucky she's holding me back. Uh, like You're so lucky like, she's holding me little, back. Like little precious so could really hold yeah, Jimmy left. Garvin back. You know. Yeah. He's a
1: he's an expert. That's a, that's oh, yeah. that's the psychology oh, yeah, of all well, that all that um, yeah, all that. Um, what do we call it? What does he wear when he gets into the ring? That
0: sequence. Oh, the sequins. That sequence
1: he has. Like, yeah. Oh, My God.
0: Oh yeah, it's a, That's all part of it. I mean, when uh, Precious gets down on her knees to help him take down the sequins pants, I mean, you you know what they were trying to make it look like there. Come on now. I that think- was yeah. <laughs> I needed to get that in there. He has he has an awesome intro,
1: and uh, the dynamic that he has with his manager is insane. And he he knows that he's the cock of the walk he's oh yeah he's he's the original he's the original um
0: he's the original uh Cameron Grimes mhm well uh yeah, he's the original Cameron Grimes i don't know if we've been over this or not but uh Precious actually is his wife his manager oh, he actually right. was Jimmy Garvin's wife so uh they've got a very good dynamic going on there um we uh so yeah, it was it was a good match. I liked it when Precious when Armstrong's on the outside and Precious is like, get back in there, get in there, get your ass beat. <laughs> like oh, just... oh yeah. No,
1: I know she's like, get him, get him, get him, you she's calling him a hole, all kinds of stuff, and everything oh, yeah. is like Yeah, it's insane. And <laughs> she she uh, she's getting to the face of the crowd too. She's rallying all up. Oh yeah. It, it's pretty much crazy. Then at the end this is what happened with, with me when I was watching it. Right. When he went for the giant, uh, dive at the very end on yeah. the top rope, my, my, uh, my peacock froze. Oh, no, it froze bad too. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get it back on. So I was like, Oh, what happened? The end? So then I put it back on and there's quite a bit of, from that point towards the end. And I had to keep pushing the 10 second back button, 10 second back oh, button, no. 10 second back button oh, to geez. see what exactly happened. So he rolls out of the ring and then she, uh, Precious, I think she uh, she's getting in. Um...
0: She's getting in Armstrong's face, but also uh, telling Jimmy that they need to get out of there because Armstrong keeps wanting to go after him. You know what I mean? Uh, that's when Jimmy's like, "You're lucky she's holding me back, or I'd come get you. I'd come get you if this little, if this hundred, this hundred pound soaking wet woman wasn't holding me back." Uh, but uh, so I gave that one a B. I thought that was a very good. Very good match. Very well done. I liked a lot of the technical wrestling they did. Seeing somebody hold on to a a, a head scissors for an extended period of time and actually wrench it and work it was nice. Um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on. Yeah. From what that about one,
1: did, um, did Bob Armstrong do the, the side arm?
0: What's that? The, oh, he, d- he didn't do the Russian leg sweep. He didn't get a chance to do it in that one. I don't think he did. The side Russian legs, yeah,
1: somewhere towards the end,
0: yeah, could have been his finisher. But um, so next we get the Barbarian and Shaska Watley versus versus uh Baron von Raschke and Hector Guerrero. Now that was this was the little mariachi music, just a little quick, quick little. Yeah, I know. That's what I was
1: gonna. Hey, go ahead the mariachi music was insane remember i told you last time yeah yeah with the when i was walking down the park baby stop it come down it's okay i was walking down the park and the mariachi music was going up for their bon roski and i was listening to it and it was like i was jamming right there in the park all the way down it was insane <laughs> and i told you oh my god do you remember dr bob the mariachi music and the red Sherald music, and you're like, not yet. But then you, you heard it finally now. Yeah,
0: yeah. I yeah, i, I realized it a couple of days later. It's like, oh well, that had to be Baron because Baron was teaming up with Hector Guerrero, and of course Hector comes in with the full sombrero and the bullet belts over his shoulders and uh, and everything. Uh, well, you know Hector Guerrero is Eddie's Guerrero's father.
1: Yeah, not his dad. I didn't know his dad. Yeah. I know he's still a Guerrero though.
0: Yeah, Hector is Eddie's dad, so it yes. it it, and it, you, it makes sense because he looks just like Eddie looks just like Hector, especially in this where he's got the Hector's got kind of the mullet and the mustache. and yes. he's, you know, he's still like oh, a young yes. Eddie when he, Eddie was like a little built on top, but he hadn't gotten really big yet. Anyway, um, I thought it was yes. you know. Uh, so, of course, that's good. Uh, it, it, they get a little bit of a hot start in a four-man. Uh, Hector's a little— oh, before,
1: we, before we get into the actual moves of the match, okay. one thing I wanted to say, uh, when the when the Barbarian was walking down the aisle, when I was uh, at the WWF event, it was just one of the events that so was at the— um, call, not the Coliseum, but the uh, Convention Center yeah. in Los Angeles, this hand right here, this hand, right hand right here— Touch the barbarian's chest as you walk by (laughs) because you know you're able to touch some of the wrestlers. So right now, I've actually had my hands. We're talking about a match. I've had my hands on a WWF
0: wrestler. (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, Good job. Uh, But thank you, (laughs) Doctor. So uh, Hector is uh, Hector turns out is too fast in the very beginning. kind of getting away from the Barbarian and Shaska, working him over a little bit. And then Hector yeah. does a great uh, diving crossbody over the top rope to the outside. And this wasn't like like the Bret Hart one where he just kind of slingshots himself over the top rope. Hector ran from all the way across the ring and just dove uh, over the top rope crossbody wow. onto uh, the Barbarian and Shaska. Unfortunately, Shaska gets up early and the Barbarian uh and him uh, double-team Hector on the outside by slamming his head into the into the rope. Then they start getting heat on him. Eventually, there's a, a hot tag to Baron Von Rasky, who comes in, wrecks havoc a little bit, and gets the claw on Shaska, but that gets broken up by the Barbarian. But then, um, I forget how... Oh, yeah, that's right, because Hector ends up coming in after it's broken up Barbarian. Hector comes in, holds... The barbarian in the corner, while Baron drops the elbow and gets the uh, um, the win. The one, two, three on over Shaska, but then they get heat on the barbar on Barian, on Baron uh, von Raschke after the match. Do uh, Shaska and the barbarian. Um, all right, it was an okay match. I gave this one a C minus. I don't think it was. I think it suffered from a couple of things. The barbarian is not a great worker. Um, uh, Baron is a good worker, but he's long in the tooth. He's old. He's in his last couple years. So I think with those two, you don't, you know,, uh, they did as much as they could with Hector because he's the one who can bounce around. He's the athletic one, but uh it but honestly, I don't see Shaska beating Hector up that much. So it it was kind of eh, it was all right, you know, it wasn't, it was okay. <laughs>
1: thinking back i liked it when they when they hung out to dry uh, bob armstrong he takes a really good hang out to dry in that match when he's mm-hmm. drop him off bob. on the neck like that oh yeah and then almost goes for the one two three on that pin but uh and then this work? this ma- this match right here these guys are cool i like the barbarian you're right he does he does lack a lot in his flexibility and then when you watch the barbarian in there i'm always thinking to myself ah oh, is this the of doom
0: <laughs> with the face paint
1: Right, I'm like, oh my god, it's just gonna be at least the Doom. Oh, oh my god, no, it's the Barbarian.
0: <laughs> I used to think that when I was watching WWF as a kid, because right. uh, the because uh, um, you know because a Barbarian and the Warlord were warlord. a tag team, and they had the face yeah. paint, and I was always like, ah, oh, they're they're uh, wanna be uh, road warriors. Because I never thought that about Demolition. Yep. Because Demolition don't really look like the Road Warriors. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't have similar hairstyles. The face paint was You're completely different. you
1: talking about different. Axe and Smash? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Demolition had full-on gray. Yeah. And back then, everybody used to like the Raiders. hmm
0: So, uh, anyway. So, but, yeah. So, Demolition never reminded me of the Road Warriors as much as the barbarian and uh the powers of pain that was their name the powers of pain ooh the barbarian and the warlord because yeah. they both had uh face paint and their face paint looked very similar to hawk and animal you know uh the right uh, even their haircut somebody gave the warlord that uh, um that the the hawk double mohawk and uh barbarian always had the kind of single mohawk look yeah. so anyway so then we get
1: um, – yeah, after... With a with mullet. Um, I think Animal has the mullet, and I think Hawk has the key shapes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, Hawk has the double mohawk, right. and Animal has the the kind of – well, it's not really a mullet. He's got, it's more of a rat tail, I would say, more of like a mohawk that goes into yeah. a rat tail. But um, so we Bro, get – It's uh, cool. Uh, Johnny Weaver outside of Dusty's dressing room. And Dusty hasn't been given any interviews. Oh, this and great. He won't do any interviews now. So that's that.
1: Oh, it was uh, great. It was awesome. Uh, it built to his entrance. Oh, yeah, because we did When see Dusty him. Rose comes out later on for his entrance, he is all business. Oh, yeah. All business. Oh, he, he had his
0: game face all business. on. Um, so the next Bash, match. Yeah, I it. The next match is uh, the Jayhawks. Uh, that's, uh, Dutch Mantell and Ronnie Jaggers versus, uh, the Russians, Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev in a no DQ match for the U.S. tag titles. Um, the, the chain and the bullwhip are both legal in this match. Uh, but uh, there's, there's one thing I really liked about this match is for the most part till almost to the end, they still treated it like a regular tag match. You know what I mean? Even though it's no DQ, they were still tagging in and out of the ring and uh you know p- for the most part listening to the referee's counts and stuff like that. Right. They, they were doing that later on in the
1: in the, in the evening when the Ollies were, were wrestling inside the case. They were <laughs> not even listening to any of those counts.
0: But um so the uh so it starts like a regular tag match. The Jayhawks get on top. It was pretty fast paced when Dutch was in there. Uh, the Jayhawks had some good double, double teaming. And, uh, and then, uh, at one point, I think it was, uh, Crusher pulls, uh, Dutch Mantel's legs out from underneath him and pulls him outside the ring. And from there on the match just kind of starts to devolve. And by the end of the match, we've got all four guys in the ring and then out come the whip in the chain and, uh, eventually, uh. Uh, Jaggers gets the chain used on him by Crusher and pinned, and the Russians win. And the crowd booed the crap out of that finish. They did not like the Russians retaining the U.S. tag titles one bit. Um, yeah, thank goodness. I saw Ivan Kolop for the
1: match. He gave the the championship belt a kiss before he gives it back mm-hmm. to the referee. That's one of those. That's one of those uh, traditions that you do to respect your championship before your match, because mm-hmm. it
0: might be the last time you kiss your mat, your belt. Bye. That's true. Only just don't do it with Paige's uh, Divas Championship, <laughs> her NXT Women's <laughs> Championship, because we know what's been on that, and I don't want to be kissing that belt. <laughs> but, um, no. Hey. Anyway, uh, so the Russians win. The boos from the crowd were deafening. I gave this one a B minus. Uh like I said, it wasn't a great classic tag match, but I liked it for what it was. There wasn't an overuse of the gimmicks. So even though it devolved, it only was it only was chaos for about like a minute or two and then it was over. You know what I mean? I didn't stretch it out or try and make something else out of it other than what it was. Thoughts?
1: This was this was a good match. I liked I liked watching them fight for their championship. Only thing I didn't uh get too behind was the the name of the two guys that were fighting against the Russians.
0: Oh what, the Jayhawks? Dirty the, Dutch and uh yeah, Ricky the Jayhawks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do a lot I gotta do a lot more research on on, on the Jayhawks. I, I missed out on the Jayhawks um, legacy, so oh, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and try and write that one down, Jayhawk. Oh yeah. Well,
0: if you can, I didn't um, remember
1: to look up any of their old matches. If you wanna yeah.
0: learn, I did. I is... did
1: see. I did see before they did the show that they did the promo for the Bunkhouse Stampede. Uh huh. And he sat down and he's eating a little tin can so of that's, beans. He's, that's later on yeah. in
0: this. In this. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we get to that in. Yeah, about four more matches. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's so, when it yeah, the bunkhouse comes up.
0: So, um so that one got a B minus uh from me. Uh moving on to the next match was Rick Rude versus Wahoo McDaniels in a strap match. And of course Rick Rude has Paul Jones there with him. Uh this one was uh, this is the one if you remember from a couple episodes back, we were talking about Rick Rude calling Wahoo Redman and uh all oh, yeah. of that. Kind of stuff. So, uh, something that would definitely not fly today, even if you are a heel. Um. Yeah. Heck, there's
1: no, you can't say that stuff anymore.
0: There's, uh, there's some drama about putting the strap on from Rude. He doesn't want to put the strap on. And then Paul Jones, like, throws it at Wahoo. And he's like, you put the strap on first. And, but, uh, finally they do, uh, they both get the strap on and, uh, strap wrapped around the wrists and uh Wahoo gets up early cuz he knows how to use the how to use the strap pretty well but then uh then uh, Rick reverses the momentum and starts getting heat on Wahoo uh he gets Wahoo down enough where he can get two be- buckles well this oh, I guess we should explain this because most people don't know what a strap match is supposed to look like uh in a strap match or an Indian strap match the, the object of the match is you actually have to drag your opponent around the ring to each four turnbuckles in succession to win. You can't be interrupted for more than, like, a couple of seconds between each turnbuckle, or else you have to start all over again. So, um, I know yep. now they just, whenever they have a strap match, it's just pin or submission. That's not how a strap match works. That's not a strap the last-
1: match. The last one I saw that was done legit like that was I think the John Cena Miro one. They did the four corners.
0: Mhm. Yeah, they did. That was the one where they had those stupid uh, uh, lights on the corner though, and when somebody would slap them, and the light would start spinning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. They would tell you if you had all four lit, and then you win. The best one of those, the best one of the John Cena gimmick matches with Miro was the flag match though. That was a really good match. The
1: uh, uh, oh, I thought you were gonna say. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the I quit match. When they, when they did the all-around the arena and he hit him with the laptop. Did you see his face? Oh, no, I didn't see that. When John Cena hits Miro, big Miro, when he used to be bigger. Yeah. He hits him with the laptop and he goes up in the air and goes,
0: oh, much, go, go, go. <laughs> much, Oh, I mean, John Cena can get a good match out of just about anybody, though. I mean, he, hell, he had the only match by Ryback I ever really liked. So and that was the Three Stages of Hell match where he ended up uh, slamming—he F-U'd Ryback through the top of an ambulance. (laughs) Right.
1: John Cena's all about it. I like John Cena.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge Cena fan. uh, So, Rude gets two uh, turnbuckles, but then Wahoo turns the tables on him, gets a little bit of color, has a momentum shift, and then uh, Rude gets color. Um, So, they both get color— uh, none of them really get great color. Uh, Wahoo gets a uh, gets three of the turnbuckles, but then there's another momentum shift, and Rude starts uh, doing stuff. He goes up to the top rope, comes down once, just fine, goes back up to the top rope a second time, and they do the deal where he gets pulled off the top rope, and uh, then uh, Wahoo pretty much uh, just uh, from there gets the four gets the four ones but he gets the the fourth turnbuckle from Rick Rude knocking him into the turnbuckle. If you remember that he's going down the ropes for the third one Paul Jones jumps up on the apron, Wahoo knocks Jones off the apron and then Rude kind of does one of those jumping like knees like a high knee to it to his back and Wahoo uh-huh. falls into the fourth turnbuckle and that's how he wins the match. But then um uh rude and jones get heel on wahoo heat on wahoo after the match but hector and baron come out and make the save so
1: uh where was where, where, where was earl hebner where was where was earl hebner in all this
0: <laughs> he didn't do it a lot of this match i don't even think earl hebner was the wasn't scrappy mcgowan the um
1: the rep oh, in this match? oh i thought i because i see a lot of hebner in in, in this episode
0: No, there is. Hebner and Tommy Young and uh, and Scrappy McGowan. There's one other guy who's in the very beginning, the guy with the (laughs) blue collared shirt, but I don't know who he is. Um, I actually gave this one a D. I didn't particularly care for this match. Um, I'm not a huge fan of a strap match anyway, but this one, I think, to be honest with you, I think Rude was too green and Wahoo was too old. For this match if that makes any sense. Uh uh I think Rude didn't really I, I like
1: I like the one that they did with uh with Ronnie with uh Ronnie Garvin. Jimmy Garvin with, Precious, with yeah with Jimmy Garvin where Precious was bashing him in the back and he <laughs> keeps dragging, he dragging and dragging and dragging he finally gets and Precious is bashing him and pulling his hair and pulling his hair like this.
0: Yeah. He's like still gets to the rope. I was like I like that one. Yeah that one was good. That was um that was great American bash. So, uh, but yeah, that one was really good right. because be, I think that's because Garvin, uh, Jimmy Garvin, is is an experienced. You know, like he's an experienced hand at this point. He knows what he's doing. Rude is still oh, really, yeah, really right. green. That's why it was
1: it was good to see him because he was he was like a dead sack of meat getting dragged across the ring. Yeah, uh, that's really that's the only way you could win a strap match like that. Yeah.
0: So, um, and I think Wahoo didn't have the the cardio in him to carry the match himself and rude didn't have the innate ability yet. He, he was still so green. He didn't know how to call the batch or how to lead the match or carry it. So I think it just kind of, Oh, it was a bit of a popcorn fart for me, but, um, yeah, it's
1: okay. I mean, I gave it a they're, D they're, I didn't give it an
0: F. Yeah. It wasn't, there was nothing like, uh, uh, insulting about it or anything like that. <laughs> it's just, you know, Orange yeah, Cassidy didn't come so, into the sometimes... ring and try and win it by kicking people in the shins.
1: Yeah. I like, I used to watch Goldberg wrestle, and, and every time I watched Goldberg wrestle, it was always like, yeah, it's cool to watch him, but it's over in like four or five minutes, and all you saw were a couple of little spin kicks and stuff, and then a uh-huh. spear and a jackhammer, and that was it.
0: Yep. Huh. But uh, so then after that match, we get a promo from the Russians— and they, they make the first mention of the D- Buckhouse Stampede match in which they say that they can't wait to get a hold of, of uh, who was it? They want to get a hold of uh, Dusty Rhodes and they want to get a hold of Nikita because Nikita right, betrayed yeah. him. And uh is the one who poisoned Nikita's mind. And right. uh, so they want to get a hold of them in the strap match and, and so on and so forth. It was actually a pretty good promo. Ivan, Ivan does a great promo. Uh, Crusher was starting to learn it. He got a lot better in demolition with his promos. But um that's that's bad. demolition crusher? Yeah crusher Khrushchev. He's um Smash I believe. All
1: oh, right, cool. Cool good to know. I like Smash. He was real always really good with his with his promos. Oh. You leaders of doom you you guys are gonna get nothing but axed and smashed <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, uh, so, uh... Something like that. And then we get, uh, the next match was, uh, Bill Dundee versus Sam Houston for the Central States title. Now, you, we haven't seen, really, see, you haven't seen much of Sam Houston, really, I don't think. Uh, we've seen Dundee here and there over the, uh, past few months. But, uh, so, uh, Bill Dundee, Sam Houston... Gets a uh, I'm I'm, I like Dundee a lot A really fast but even start, a lot of a lot of back and forth. Uh, um, Sam Houston does a great head scissors takedown where he almost gets like upright sitting on Dundee's shoulders and then takes him down into the head with the head scissors. Uh, well,
1: that's the way you had to do it back then. All the guys back then used to do real good head scissors moves, they were sweet. So, uh, like, uh, Jesse, the body Ventura used to do good head scissors.
0: Yep. Uh, so then we get, uh, Sam, uh, Sam Houston, Sean's a little early, but, uh, Dundee, of course, being the sneaky veteran ends up, uh, putting Sam on the floor. Uh, but Sam comes back in, he's still up, but then there's a momentum shift and Dundee starts to get heat. And this is where I wrote Dundee wrestles mean like I don't know how to put it. He doesn't use a lot of wrestling holds, but he's constantly stomping the guy in the face and choking him on the ropes and, you know, punching him yeah, and rabbit putting his, punching him. Put his yeah. forearm. Yeah. Right here on the bridge to the nose type of thing. Oh, yeah. So he's he wrestles mean, gets yeah. some good heat. Uh, Sam goes to the floor again. Dundee gets boar heat on him. He gets a little bit of a comeback and a... Uh, but he misses a uh, a knee drop. He uh, uh, Sam Houston has a pretty good mm-hmm. knee drop but he misses one and then Dundee starts working the re- working the uh, knee. The ref goes down while Dundee's working mat, the knee. And
1: that and that ring that mat is stiff. Oh.
0: Not as stiff as the that WWF mat mats apparently. Apparently the WWF mats in the 80s and into the 90s were even stiffer than the NWA mats. So that's something. Oh wow, I imagine Dang, can you imagine? I can't. Um, So uh, the ref goes down, and Dundee ends up with Sam Houston's boot in his hand. And he hits Sam Houston in the head with the boot because he thinks the referee's down and can't see him. But the referee does see him, and Dundee ends up getting DQ'd. And Sam Houston bails with the championship, and Dundee's left there in the middle of the ring like, what the fuck, why did I leave Memphis? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um so uh i thought it overall was a good match i gave it how a did, b plus how did, the, how did the match between yeah how did the feud
1: how did the feud end with uh, with dundee when he was saying how he hated rick flair and all this other crap and he came in with this with his wig on how'd that end up did they fight
0: that, no i don't think they did anything they might have had a house show match but uh, I I don't think that was ever meant to be a long program. I think this I think that was more of Bill Dundee just trying to call out the biggest name in the company to try and get somebody to work with. Um, <coughs> but I don't know. Uh, I I mean, I I was a I'm a fan of Dundee, but I have a feeling he was a guy who was more of a borrow. For Jim for Jim Crockett than a uh, um, you know a sign to a long term contract.
1: Oh, okay. He was still fantastic though. I liked his name. Mm-hmm. I liked his energy. I I like that tweet I sent you that one time with him pointing his finger in Ric Flair's face. Yeah. That was amazing.
0: <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I gave this one a B plus. It was pretty good. Probably a little better than average. Definitely good for a Sam Houston match because uh, Bill Dundee knows how to work. And, uh, and good finish good finish way to uh put the loss on Dundee without making him without pinning him or making him look weak against a guy like Sam Houston so I think overall it was a good good match
1: I like the boot at the end when they were hitting him with the boot I was I was mm-hmm. really digging all that because I'm like oh my gosh that's the same thing that uh, Eddie Guerrero used to do when he used to fight Kurt Angle mm-hmm. to get out of the ankle lock. You
0: just kind of un-unhit your boot laces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, next match was uh, <clears throat> uh, Jimmy Valiant with Big Mama versus number one Paul Jones with uh, the Raging Bull... In a hair versus hair match. In a shark cage. Yes, Raging Bull gets put in a shark cage, though he doesn't want to get in the shark cage at first. It takes like three baby faces to put him in there. Finally, I love it. Wahoo McDaniel's the one who does it by just chopping him in front of the shark cage. And he just falls backwards. Into he it. falls in
1: it. It wakes up and goes, I'm in a cage. <laughs> and then he starts getting lifted up. And, and when they lift him up in the air, he climbs up a couple of rings, a couple of rungs on the on the on the on the, on the star cage. And kind of looks down. At everybody all screaming at him. It was, just, it was so cool.
0: I thought it was funny that Paul Jones was, you know, because he's the cowardly manager. Was like hanging on to the cage as uh, oh yes, as Reggie Bull's going up, and he's like,
1: no, <laughs> no. It, it, was, it was funny. I liked it. He wasn't cowardly. He was trying to save his friend. He said, "Oh my God, get out of the cage!" And they were picking them both up. It was awesome. But um, they're they're a good they're a good syndicate they're they're a good faction. You like the Paul Jones army? Yeah, I like the Paul Jones the Paul Jones army. You're you're gonna get into a match with Paul Jones. You're gonna get uh, some loaded tights. Uh-huh. You might get some dust in your eyes. Something something's gonna bound to happen.
0: Oh yeah, well it, it happens in this one. Uh, so <laughs> Valiant gets Jimmy Valiant gets up early. And then, like, not even five minutes into the match, Paul Jones introduces a foreign object that splits Valiant open. But Valiant ends up making a comeback. Then Paul Jones drops the foreign object, which Valiant picks up and uses. And the crowd goes absolutely insane as Jimmy Valiant pins Paul Jones. And they start shaving his head. And they're bald-headed geek, bald-headed geek. I mean they're yep. chanting and just go a shit but then here comes Raging Bull out of the cage and they get heat on Valiant with Rude. Yep. And yep. then they pile driver they pile drive him onto a chair and Wahoo and Be- Baron come and make the save but t- it's too late. Valiant is out on his feet and they have to basically carry him back to the ring. That was I mean I- Yeah, it was it was good. When you face the Paul Jones' army, you're
1: going to come out You're going to come out at 100% uh, like you've been through war. Everybody's going to come out bloody
0: in a Paul Jones match. Bloody.
1: (laughs) It's going to be a mess. Somebody might not give you the money that you were expecting. It's just, it's all bad.
0: (laughs) So, um, anyway, I gave it a C. I'm not, I mean, the work itself was not anything to write home about. That was This was all about the hype and all about the, but, I mean, it was all about the sizzle, but there was the stake. The stake was... Paul Jones finally getting his hair shaved off after everybody, almost everybody else in his army did. After Jimmy Valiant got his head shaved off, you know what I mean. So it's well, not they his have head, another, his hair shaved off match. his head.
1: They have another match that's coming on in a little bit. It's uh, another hair hair match that he has with another character during the middle of the of the Starcade. They show these promos from old matches, oh. and he had a he had a hair versus hair match with recently.
0: No, that was during uh, the Great American right. Bash. He had a hair versus hair match with Shaska Watley, and ended up winning. And Shaska got his his head shaved. That's why Shaska doesn't have any hair, because he got his head shaved during uh, uh, Great American Bash '86. Although they kept calling it '85 for some reason, I don't know why they were doing that. But um, <laughs> it's okay. But then we get a um, we get the now this is what you were talking about. We get the VTR for the bunkhouse stampede where uh uh Delson Royal is sitting there by the fire with his cup of coffee and he starts explaining about the cowboys and the bunkhouse and they'd fight and that's how they'd settle it and it was dangerous and what's even more dangerous is a battle royal and then you combine the two and it's really dangerous but uh and then they were showing stuff from the last bunkhouse stampede and whatnot.
1: Um, you could bring you could bring any object you want to a bunkhouse step Pete. Yes.
0: Yeah, you, you can, can bring, bring anything into iron. the ring you want. Branding iron, uh be wearing your boots, your belt, maybe a you know a, a bullwhip, whatever you want to bring in, your spurs. Yeah, so everybody
1: was bringing in weapons. It's like mm-hmm. the old Simpson's um when the guy came in with a wrench.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh <laughs> The, uh, the Bunkhouse Stampede VTR. Then we got a VTR about the Crockett Cup because that's going to be, that's coming up next year in 87. They're having the second annual Crockett Cup and they went through some of the matches that were in the Crockett Cup last the year before and so on and so forth. And uh, there's another, that, that one happened. <laughs> and then we get the next match, Ronnie Garvin versus Big Bubba Rogers with Jim Cornette. In a street fight, a Louisville street fight, where you can only win by pinfall or ten count. So, um, right. That one is a uh, that that's kind of a uh, a bit of a. Sorry, I'm a little stuffy today. <laughs> that's uh, something else. But um, so it was good to see Big Bud, Bud Rogers coming out. Cornett looked pretty happy about when he coming out from this one. Uh, Garvin, uh, starts throwing fists, but Bubba doesn't go down for a long time in this match. It takes a lot. And then when he finally does go down, he goes down to the outside of the ring. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah. And gets knocked out real good. Like knocked out, like dazed out.
0: Uh, then Cornette gets him back up and Bubba starts throwing Garvin around the ring. And I mean, heaving, Ronnie Garvin, Ronnie Garvin is not a small dude by any stretch and he is just bouncing him around the ring. But Garvin gets back up. Uh, Then Bubble bails to the outside. Then there's a foreign object introduced, which turns out to be a roll full of nickels. And uh, Garvin goes down three times, but keeps getting back up. Around eight, then Garvin has a Garvin pulls a rope out of his boot for some reason, and it looks like he's trying to like it looks like he's trying to hog tie Big Bubba. But it doesn't really come off, and then they just kind of abandon the rope. Uh, Bubba goes out and is down on the uh, on the on the outside again. But then he gets up and he gets up to the top rope. But he's caught by Garvin, who does the like the flare throw off. You know what I mean? Where the guy's on the top rope and he just kind of throws him yeah. off, and the guy does a uh, kind of a back flip. Yeah. He then, goes, no, 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 and he throws off and flips him. Then the ref gets knocked down. And Cornette loads up his racket and hits Garvin in the head. Now I like the fact that we we saw uh, Cornette loading the racket. You, I don't know if you notice this, but you see <laughs> him in the background and he turns the racket upside down and shakes it like three times, like how <laughs> when when guys would uh, quote unquote load their boot in a uh, oh, if yeah. they had a loaded boot they would hit it like three times on the canvas to drop whatever piece of metal or whatever was down to the bottom of their boot to make it heavier in the front. Cornette does that with his racket and uh, hits Garvin in the head. Uh, And both both Garvin and uh, Bubba go out. And so the referee's like, okay, well, first person to their feet wins. But Garvin. Yes, I remember the ending now. The Garvin gets up first, but the ref doesn't see him because Bubba's holding the ref by the shirt, and Cornette right. whacks uh, Garvin again in the <laughs> back of the knee again. <laughs> so Big Dig gets up and gets the win, and the crowd was loudly chanting bullshit the whole time. Like it's oh, wow. bullshit, bullshit. So. I thought, I gave this one a B. Original, I thought this was as an entertaining chat. as fuck match. Like it wasn't very, it wasn't technical by any stretch of the imagination, but it was everything it needed to be. The right person won because you know Bubba didn't need to lose. You know, it didn't need to have his first loss against Ronnie Garvin, and Ronnie Garvin still got fucked. Obviously, with the crowd chanting bullshit after his loss, so you know it didn't make anybody look bad. It made Bubba look better. And it gave Ronnie Ronnie Garvin a reason to hate Jim Cornette.
1: Which... Yeah, it did. Yeah,
0: he did. Jim Cornette's the best. So, uh, all in all, be very, very good match. Very well done. Moving on.
1: That was cool. I liked it when uh, Jim Cornette was telling Bubba Rogers, "Come on, <laughs> hit him, hit him, hit him again, hit him again, get on top of him." All that, all that cheering and action on the outside of yelling and stuff. That's kind of <laughs> like what I do when I go to watch a live event. Yeah. I'm on the outside just yelling at everybody, telling them what to do and stuff. And Jim Cornette, he does basically what I would say if I was there. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, what's cool is I'm going to be – they'll be actually be able to hear me in the ring because I'm going to be second row this Saturday in Spartansburg, South, Spartanburg, South Carolina at the Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium for Big Time Wrestling, WrestleFest, and – uh wrestling show. It's uh so it's gonna be fun. Uh Magnum TS gonna be amazing.
1: You're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be so close to Jerry the King Lawler and I am. the Rock and Roll
0: Express. And the Rock and Roll Express and FTR and Arn oh, Anderson yeah. and Matt Hardy.
1: Oh man and Scotty Too oh, T- oh
0: Scotty Too Hottie's gonna be there too. He's he's got Oh my god I didn't
1: know that Scotty gonna still be there. So uh I've
0: seen Scotty too hoty rest it's I've good. seen
1: Scotty Chihadi and um, Rikishi and Two Cool Russell before at mm-hmm. one of the uh, convention centers where you go and just visit for a day. Yeah. At a fan fest.
0: So there's that. And then before the match even starts, there's going to be, uh, like, like autographs and pictures and stuff so you can get taken. Right. And with the, the second row ticket I bought, I get a free uh, photo with and autographs from FTR.
1: So, oh, my goodness. Yeah.
0: My so, goodness,
1: we're
0: going to be on AEW. So I'm going to be well I won't be on AEW, but I'll be with some AEW talent and Magnum TA and Lex Luger are also going to be there. I don't know who else is going to be there, but uh I might have to pull a little bit money out of, a little bit of money out of savings to get some more autographs because I'd like to get Lawler's autograph and and I uh, want to get a Magnum one really bad cuz you know, you know how you know how I feel about Magnum. It's one of the most tragic things ever. Yeah. I know. I know. I
1: know. Our hearts go out to him right now. And yep. his his prayers
0: are... up been... but
1: on a on a positive on a positive note, um I've tweeted out to Jerry the King Lawler and he's responded to me responded to me responded to me one time a yep. long time ago. When I he wanted to call out something about the Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. And this was before I had told anybody that I was I had become the new Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. So I told him I told him I did it just like this. I looked right at the camera and I screamed at it. I said, "Jerry the King Lawler, you want the warrior? You want the warrior? Well, you cut him." <laughs> so I tweeted that to him, and then he tweeted he tweeted back, "Yikes, the blowout man."
0: <laughs> yeah, Jerry's supposed to be one of the nicest guys in in professional wrestling. So, uh, especially now, you know, in his in his age, I can't believe he's still wrestling. He's going to be wrestling George South, and it's a uh, it's it's oh, he he wrest he just recently wrestled against um
1: big papa punk, Scott Steiner, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: I can see that. So it's uh the the stipulation of did, the match some the, well, the stipulation of the match is Jerry's crown versus George South's jacket. So I don't know, yeah. Mm,
1: not too familiar with George not too really familiar with George South. I'd have to look him up. George because I want to
0: definitely tweet. If I if I remember correctly, George South used to be a uh, kind of a jobber, lower mid card guy in the eighties in, in the WCW. Oh, okay. The NWA. Oh, okay. NWA. Yeah. But um, speaking <laughs> of the NWA, Jack
1: here.
0: for the NWA awesome. World Tag Team Title. And a first blood match, Dusty Rhodes versus Tully Blanchard with J.J. Dillon at ringside. <laughs> and this is what you were talking about. Dusty comes out. He's got the uh, he's got the new hairdo. He's got the short hair, with the uh, with Tully written on the side of his head. Uh, ready, ready to go. Got his game face on. He is not the uh, the, the 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 swinging American dream, if you will. Uh, he's definitely game face dusty um first thing that happens in this match is Jj tries to put headgear on tolly <laughs> and, and the ref's like no you can't you can't do that and then he tries to vaseline Tully's face up and the ref's like no you can't do that either so um
1: i liked it i, I liked their little psychology game they were playing uh tony Schiavone... Uh, really was playing it up too. I think he was saying, "Well, he wants to put Vaseline on his face, like most prize boxers do."
0: <laughs> so um, then, uh, while they're still him hawing around about that, JJ comes over and mouths off to Dusty, and Dusty hits JJ in the head with an elbow, and JJ gets color. So <laughs> JJ, if, if JJ had Ooh, been in the in the that's, match, that's, that's he would have lost. Yeah, right away. It would
1: have been over right away. They go, oh, my gosh, it's already over before it even begun.
0: J.J. Jones got color. (laughs) So, uh, finally, the match starts, and it starts with uh, Tully backpedaling, of course, because he doesn't want to lock up, doesn't want to get punched in the face. Then there's a lot of cat and mouse, because both of them want to avoid getting punched in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. (coughs) They're avoiding punches. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to be – they're being really particular about their, their punches. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Dusty finally gets up for a little bit. And, uh, uh I forget how Tully might've bailed and then gets up on the top rope and tries to hit Dusty with the shoe, but it fall, but it doesn't work. And Dusty suplexes Tully, which also hits the ref. So the ref goes down. Now, at this point, Tully actually has color on his face, but or he's bleeding, but nobody can. No, uh, the ref doesn't see it, and J.J. wipes it all off and then puts Vaseline over the cut so you can't really tell that there's a cut there and gives um, Tully a ro- roll of quarters that Tully then hits Dusty in the head with, o- opening up Dusty, who falls right, right back where the referee is, and when the referee right. comes to, the first thing he sees is Dusty being split open, and calls for the bell. And Tully wins, right. and steals the championship from Dusty. Right. That, the, that was. Go ahead.
1: I thought that was good. I thought that was great psychology. I couldn't believe that they had it because I seen it in slow motion afterwards. And if you're watching it all, if you're watching it all happen. It doesn't. You don't see Dusty Rhodes wanting this to be the ending of the match. Mm. The referee happens to land there. Dusty's getting up. He's not trying to get up in front of the ref. He doesn't even know he's there. Mm-hmm. The ref is sitting right in front of him, and he's the blood. And the way it was the way it all turned out was it was so spectacularly done that no, no, yeah, of course Dusty didn't want that to be the ending, but that had that happened
0: to be the ending. Yeah. It yeah. It was it, it was a fantastic fucking ending it really was it was a great ending ending to the match a great finish like they finished it up perfectly i don't think you could have done any better with the first blood match than they did with this um i gave it an a minus mainly because there wasn't really a whole lot of wrestling to it it wasn't really a wrestling match but other than that everything else about it was absolutely freaking perfect even Tully playing the coward, backpedaling away from Dusty the whole time and getting away and J.J. getting busted open early. Like, it was it was perfect with the exception of like, they did like really wrestled he, each other. I like when Dusty
1: Rhodes throws his elbow out real quick mm-hmm. to stop people from uh, advancing towards him. And it's, it's it's like, you want me to hit you with this? And oh, yeah. then um, he puts it back real quick. And then the announcer, Tony, Tony Schiavone, goes, Dusty Rhodes has that loaded elbow cocked, ready to go.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was a very good match. Uh, now Tully Blanchard uh, has the TV title, which is a natural belt for him to hold. He's, he's a great TV champion uh, He's because he's so um, smarmy. He has the, gl- the glasses. He has that
1: million-dollar life. He's that 80s lifestyle. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, he's he's a rich kid. He's a rich um, uh, asshole jock from Texas. You know what I mean? And it doesn't get any more it doesn't get any more of a jerk than that. You know? Uh, Yeah, Yeah. he's from San Antonio, I think. Nice. This stuff's made in New York City. New York City. (laughs) Get a rope. So the next match is, and this is the reason they called it Night of the Skywalkers. The Road Warriors with Paul Ellering versus the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette in a scaffold match um, where the only way to win is to knock both of your opponents off the scaffold, which is 25 feet above the ring. That's a hell of a drop. It's too far. And, And I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever, well, you've worked construction before, so you know about those fucking walk boards they have that are like, you know, they, they say they're two feet, but they're really closer to about, you know, like uh, 20 inches across. And they're not like the most super. Um, no, I don't, I don't think they're two feet. Yeah. But anyway. that's not. Yeah, I think they're 18, 18 inches or something. Yeah. So they had two of those walk boards side by side with diamond plate on the top of them. Because you know the walkboards, they don't have an even mm. surface on them anyway. So they got the diamond plate that goes all the way across, so that they're not, you know, they don't cut themselves on the walkboard. But that's uh, not that, that's not fun. <laughs> I can't imagine even trying to, like, I never Dude, even liked getting up and walking on the walkboards that much anyway. But having any kind of no inter- way physical interaction with another person on top of that, no thanks. <laughs> No.
1: Did you happen to get a chance to notice the part that was falling off when the first show started, when they started to climb up it?
0: Yeah, the little, uh, those little, um, um, like, handrail things up at the top. Yeah, Yeah. the
1: handrail thing came falling down.
0: Well, those handrail things are a piece of junk anyway. I've never used them because they never, on those scaffolds, those handrails are just... You're better to just put another, like, three pieces of scaffolding up or two pieces of scaffolding up with the crossbar and use that as a handrail than to use those little things because they don't work.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it it just uh, aesthetically, it it felt. So he had, uh, I think it was Animal or Hawk, one of Mm -hmm. them, had to actually pick it up when the lights were out and clip it back on. (laughs) I was like, how safe are these conditions in 1986?
0: Not. They're not, and we'll get to that later Uh, on. uh, Um, So, um, first of all, uh, when they're walking out to the ring, I don't know if you noticed this, but Cornette is either extremely nervous or extremely pissed or both. Because I've never seen Cornette walk out to the ring this fucking serious before. Like, he... I don't know. Maybe he ran into – maybe he got a lot of heat from the Bubba match and, like, had to hit somebody with the racket or something on the way out to the ring because he is <laughs> just, like – he looks like he's about to kill somebody. Um, well, he knew he knew he had to go up there and do the spot. Uh-huh. Well, th- that's what I think he would be nervous about, but he looks angry. So, you, he... Lord knows. Either way. Yeah. Um, so then the uh, the Road Warriors come out, and of course they get their obligatory pop, and uh, uh, which is pretty loud. They uh, climbed to the top of the climb, right up to the top of the scaffolding. Um, and it, for any of you who don't know out there, during this match, Hawk had a uh, sprained ankle, had a high ankle sprain, like a day or two before oh, no. this match. Yeah. And he was like, well, we can't cancel the match, so I'm just going to have to, he just taped the shit out of it and went out there and did it. (laughs) Right. Right. Which is what you're supposed to do. I mean, not really what you're supposed to do with a high ankle sprain, but, (laughs) you know, this was Hawk. You weren't going to tell him not to do something. Can you imagine trying to convince Hawk that he wasn't going, that he couldn't do something?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I could. It's a lot like when you were trying to, convince the ultimate warrior whether or not he was going to get in one of those tiny little wrestling rings that they were bringing in for wrestlemania uh eight yeah and he told him vince i'm running to the ring and you heard vince McMahon tell his friends well, you heard him boys he said he's running
0: to the ring <laughs> well you know what's really funny about that is uh that's the same show that roddy piper walked to the ring because the little ring the little thing the little motor thing was broken in the little ring they took him back and forth, and Piper was like, "Screw this! I'm fucking going to the I'm walking to the ring," <laughs> because he was, he had the match with, was that the year he had the match with Adrian Adonis? I think it was. At WrestleMania three, yeah, that was the match with Adrian Adonis, right. where where Beefcake came out and cut Adonis's hair and became Brutus the Barber Beefcake.
1: Adonis is the one that has the birthmark on his eyes.
0: Well, he doesn't have a birthmark. He's got, he's got, he wore makeup. Was that makeup on his eye? Yeah, that's makeup. Yeah, he was, he was adorable Adrian Adonis. He was doing a, uh, um, this was, you know, extremely un-PC, but he was doing a uh, uh, a flamboyant gay character gimmick.
1: Yeah, I know, but I I thought that that, uh, black stuff that was around his eye. I didn't know his eye shadow. I thought nope. it was his birthmark. Nope.
0: So, nice. uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, the LOD climbs right back up. Hawk had ankle sprain. Okay. The midnight are extremely hesitant. And by extremely, I mean, extremely like to the point where both, uh, both guys get about halfway up and they want to climb back down. And then go back up, and there is a really good shot of uh, Jim Cornette hanging on to Bobby Eaton's leg as Bobby's trying to climb up the scaffolding. <laughs> He's like, no, Bobby, don't go. Don't go, Bobby, don't go. <laughs> so um, that was funny, but finally all yeah, four guys needs get to them. the top. That's his bread and butter. Bobby, well, Bobby, well, you know it's it's funny. Uh, Jim's talked about this on the show a lot of times. They would do stuff, you know, to get heat with the crowd just automatically, even in a cold match. And uh, one of the things was uh, him, uh, him and Dennis and Bobby would all give each other hugs before Jim got out of the ring. And then one time, Jim and uh, uh, I forget how it happened, but at one point after he hugged Bobby, Jim gave Bobby a kiss on the cheek and that just infuriated the fans and they hated it. So from then on, you know, when he would, when Bob, he would get out of the ring, he'd give Bobby a little peck on the cheek, you know, just to uh, fuck with the fans. So, um,
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. When they do that for, uh, Adam Colt, Bay, uh-huh. and, uh, the young bucks, after they done crisscross two or three times, I don't want to talk about the young cheek.
0: bucks. We're not going to mention the young bucks or Adam Cole. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get hot. I'm having a good time. I really enjoyed this pay yeah. review. I don't want to get upset about anything. We're um, rolling. Let's do it. So LOD start. Uh, they're up for a while, but then the Midnight Express throw power it powder in uh in the Road Warriors eyes. And now, I, I don't know what exactly the thought process was on this, but putting a guy who's pretending to be blind on a scaffold 20 feet above the ring is probably not the brightest idea. You know what I mean? Because like, when you get the powder in your eyes, you're supposed to act like you're yeah, blind. Because it... the powder blinds you. Right, so, so now you're up there... Now you're up there and you got your eyes closed. It's like you – yeah, and you can't really, like, walk around with your eyes closed because you don't want to accidentally fall off of the thing. So you basically just have to drop, and then you can't do anything if you're just dropped to your knees or belly down on the thing. Um, So you basically, like, almost have to no-tea, no-sell it, like – which the Warrior, what's the, uh, the Road Warriors do? Like, I mean, they sell it for a little bit, but after about two or three minutes, they stop selling being blind because there's really no way to sell it well. up there. Um, Hawk does do a good job of Sometimes. teasing. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. What were you going to
1: say? Oh, no, I was going to say, I've been inside the, the pipe before where you said concrete pipe, mm-hmm. and uh, I've gotten concrete actually inside before, but w- but when you're inside the pipe like that, just like when they were up there on the scaffolding, there really isn't anything you could do next except for fight, so yeah. maybe their eyesight's kind of just, we're still bad, but they were, they were trying real hard to hold on to stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, like I was going to say, yeah, that leads right into what I was going to say. Hawk does do a great job of teasing falling off the scaffolding. When he starts to climb down off of the walk boards onto the actual scaffolding and Dennis is kicking him in the face and he's kind of like, you know, Dennis would kick him and he kind of acts like he falls back, but he holds on by one arm, but he's woozy. Like, that was pretty good. I got to give him credit for that. Um, uh, Bobby ends up. He
1: actually holds up Bobby. He holds up Bobby by his leg. He's yeah. hanging upside down, and he's holding him by his leg.
0: Um. So Bobby goes, tries to go under the walk boards. Uh, LOD gets back up on top. Then uh, both Midnight guys get color by being having their head slammed into the scaffolding, which this scaffolding mm-hmm. is fucking dangerous because everybody whose head even remotely touches it gets color throughout this entire pay per view. Uh, we'll. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll mention that later. Um, so uh, then, where were we? Oh yeah, uh, Dennis goes. Dennis goes down under the uh, uh, scaffolding on, on on the underside of the walk boards and tries to monkey bars across. <coughs> As Bobby's coming down doing the same thing, then we get a little bit of a game of chicken, where Dennis and uh, Bobby are in the middle. <laughs> Of the walk boards, and the uh, uh, the LOD and the Road Warriors are just kind of kicking them, and they both end up falling. Yeah, it's over by then. Uh, then uh, Cornette goes to—I don't know what he was doing, but uh, Paul Ellering ends up with Cornette's tennis racket, and he gets chased up to the top of the scaffold. However, Animal is up there at the top of the scaffold, so he's stuck between Animal and Paul Ellering, so he drops down— and goes under the scaffolding, hanging on to the things, and then he drops. Now, the original plan, the the way this was supposed to work, was he was supposed to swing his legs up to the point where he would almost do like a back body drop, but Big Bubba would catch him. You see what I'm saying? So then he's only fallen about maybe eight feet, and he's fallen into the arms of Big Bubba, who would then catch him, and they'd do like a a double bump. That did not happen. Yeah. He did not get his legs far oh. enough up to do a back body drop. He fell straight down onto his legs and blew out both of his ACLs. <laughs> and you can tell that wow, he was Was it both of them? Yeah, it was both of them at the same time. Oh. You can tell that he can't fucking walk because as soon as he fucking goes down like he crumples into pain and then like drags himself by his arms over to the fucking uh, um to the side of the ring the midnight and Bubba have to help him out of the ring. And then Bubba's basically holding him up like while he's walking to the back. Cause I mean, you can, I mean, hell you've seen triple H tore both of his quads in a match and finish the damn match. So like you could get like, he could still walk, but he couldn't walk. Well, but uh, so anyway, well, it's funny because Jim talks about how much he got paid for this and how much his uh, medical bills were, and he said it was the most expensive bump he ever took because he actually had to pay for it. Ah, uh, I that I feel bad for for Jim Cornette because I seen him
1: try and swing up a little bit higher, but he didn't have a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. And if he would have, if he would have had. Um, if we would have Bubba Rogers directly underneath him and really push him or something or try real hard to push him, but uh,
0: big Bubba Rogers, he kinda he kinda stood well, there kind of flat footed. Well Bubba was like a step or two behind him because I don't think that Bubba knew Jim was gonna drop that soon after he got underneath. You know what I mean? Cause it was, it wasn't, he wasn't dangling there long. Like if he had sold dang, been able to sell dangling there for just a little bit longer, I think Bubba could have got underneath of him, but it was like, he swung like two times and then dropped. So, you know, well, I'm not, and I'm not trying to place all the blame on Jim. He knew it. He knew the risks he was taking. And uh, I'm not trying to place the blame on Bubba either, because Bubba couldn't. You know, it's a hard thing to anticipate when somebody's going to drop. So it's just, in all honesty, I think it was just kind of a dumb spot that really they didn't need to do. <laughs> right. But, it could have been a ten. It
1: could have been a ten foot strap, and you still got the same effect. Yeah.
0: But um, well, you know, it is what it is. Blame Dusty. That's all I can say. Blame Dusty. <laughs> Because it was all oh, his idea.
1: Well. Um, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. I thought he came with, uh, with the with the other match with the with the one we just had, but I didn't think he had the match. That's no, he one. didn't. Dusty
0: Dusty was the booker for all of uh, the end of, for all of Jim Crockett Promotions at this time. So but Dusty booked every finish and every uh, match and lead-in to Starcade. What a genius! Mm-hmm. Oh no, Dusty's is a genius Booker, but he did also have his flops too. Um, I don't remember what the name of the match was, but I remember there was a a match where it was like three cages stacked on top of each other, and you had to fight either your way to the top or your way to the bottom, or it was just it was very very bad, very poorly done. Very dumb match concept. Um, Anyway. That that one's cool. That one comes
1: out in uh, Ready to Rumble, I believe.
0: Yeah. So we've got... um, So that match... I gave the match a C+. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of these types of matches, so they did the best they possibly could with the scaffold match. But it's still a scaffold match. It's still a bunch of guys basically just kind of half-punching each other, trying not to fall off a very tall object until it's time for somebody to fall off. So, you know, they did the best they could. I thought the powder was dumb. Like, just, you know, they could have had any other fucking gimmick up there. You know, maybe one of them, hell, maybe one of them broke off one of those fucking, uh, uh, the, the hand, the, uh, handrails that were already falling apart and hit somebody else with it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you know, it's just it as a javelin. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is, but, um, so it got a C plus, uh, better than average match, uh, seeing Jim Cornette fall and break both his, a- or tear both of his ACLs open and fucking, yeah, cause they were complete tears. Well, one of them was a complete tear. I think the other one might've been a partial tear. Yeah, but that, was, either that way. was tough
1: to do. I've, I've had, um, my left, I've had my left leg too, uh, severely injured also, so, I can feel his pain.
0: So anyway, back to the show. Um, so the uh, the then we get a Great American Bash uh, VTR where they talk about the, uh, okay, this confused the hell out of me, and I don't know who wrote this copy, but I'm sure they were fired. They're talking about Great American <coughs> Bash 1986. But they keep saying Great American Bash 1985, and it bugged the crap out of me because eighty—it was 86. It was like the, the Great American Bash that had just happened like a few months ago. <laughs> but they're talking about it like it happened <laughs> over a year ago. Anyway, uh, so they do the ETR yeah. on that. Uh, then we get then they roll. Go ahead and roll the credits before the two main events, which is I thought was actually really cool. Like I was like, okay, well that that's actually better, because then you can actually get everybody's name up there. You know what I'd love to do? I'd yeah, love like to Arnie up there. Yes. Sorry, I'd love to get those credits, write them down, and see if I could find anybody that worked as a cameraman or a, uh, a videographer or anything during that period of time with Jim Crockett promotions and just kind of interview them, pick their brain you uh, just hear stories because you know that they were there all the damn time. They were at every event where they needed a camera. They had yep. camera people, you know, yep. so uh, it would be cool just to hear from those guys. And especially if you're like, let's say you're an indie promotion and you want to get video up on YouTube, fucking, Bring these guys in who actually know how to shoot fucking wrestling, yeah. As opposed to just Joe Schmo who happens to have a fucking uh, uh phone and can tape your matches. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. These
1: guys were these guys were they knew about wrestling before we knew about wrestling, so they know hold
0: mm-hmm.
1: like the cactus What is it called? Uh, the the um, what do you what's that? What's that wire called when you when you try to barb wire? Yeah, there's a there's a uh, wrestling move called the barbed wire where you twist your arms around the the, the opponent. Yeah, that's called the barbed wire, but huh. it's an older move that you know it's not used very often anymore. Oh,
0: well and that...
1: sometimes you'll hear like Matt Matt Stryker. he yeah. knows the names of all these old moves, and it's like kind of cool to hear him say them all.
0: Oh, nice. Um, wait, Matt Stryker? No, that's not. That was a that's not him. I'm thinking of somebody else. Never mind. Um, anyway, yeah. Moving on. So the next match, the 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 co-main event, I guess you could say, is o- Oli and yeah. Arn Anderson versus the Rock and Roll Express in a steel cage for the World Tag Team Titles. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and say this, and a lot of people probably aren't going to like it, but to them, I say fuck you. Rock and roll got a bigger pop than the Road Warriors did in this pay per view. They got the biggest pop oh, yeah. of the night. I don't think oh, yeah. anybody got a louder reaction from the audience than the Rock and Roll Express did. It was I insane.
1: Hope, I hope on. Uh, I hope next week when you guys are at the at. Uh, I have it written down right here. When you guys are at
0: Spartanburg at show, Doctor Buff. Yeah. I hope when you guys. What is it called? It's uh It's it's in Spartanburg, South Carolina.
1: Yeah, so I hope you guys over there in Springfield, Carolina, have a amazing pop to the Rock and Roll Express. I want to hear the roof pop off of this
0: place. Well, apparently it's going to be recorded. It might be on Facebook Live or YouTube. So uh, I'm going to bring it. I might make a, a hashtag BTTR sign, a back to the ring sign, just in case yeah. I get on camera. Um, also, um, yeah. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but you know FTR has been having this uh, internet Twitter feud with uh, the Briscoe Brothers. I don't know if you've seen anything about this. Have you heard about this? Have You seen this? But, yeah, it's an uh, internet feud, but I can I can't imagine what it would be about. What are they what are they up to? Well, they for? want to have a match. Because FTR showed up at the Briscoes at the la- very last Ring of Honor pay-per-view. FTR showed up after Briscoe match about, and are you beat you the shit chicken? out of them. Was that? Are you talking about Briscoe Chicken? The Briscoe brothers, the chicken, the fucking. Dutch okay, I I don't know. Or are we having? Yeah, Chicken and Briscoe. Yeah, I tweet them. I, I
1: like them. I like I've been tweeting them. I liked it when they fought each other in that one card uh, um, match during COVID.
0: Uh huh. Own house. Dude, you're breaking up really bad.
1: Oh, I apologize. I'm getting a bad reception right now. Okay. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, yeah, I was talking about when they had their match when they were on their own uh, farm. Mm-hmm. You guys get it out. Your system yet?
0: Okay. I'm... i I'm... Are you doing all right? I mean.
1: Yeah, we're doing. We're doing
0: great. I'm sorry. The reception, this reception's a little bit of an issue. You keep going in and out on me, and I can't hear everything you're saying. Okay. And then, you know, you there? Sorry, I'll I'll just slow it. I'll, yeah,
1: I'm still here, Doctor Bob. I'll slow it down. Okay. I'll go walk towards Walmart a little bit. That way we can get better reception.
0: Okay. Um. Vehicle. Sorry, you take your vehicle. Please.
1: Yeah, so and uh in the next in the next match I'm walking all the way over here, we'll finish up Now we get good reception. Okay. I couldn't hear over there. I I so apologize.
0: But, but we're already almost done. This yeah. is yeah very last match. All right. What I was saying is is the Briscoe brothers and F T R have been going back on on uh Twitter for a while. And uh and so they, uh, uh, you know, FTRs already showed up at the Briscoe brothers at one of their, like a, uh, um, one of their things. You know what I mean? So yeah. I wouldn't be yep. surprised if at this event, after FTR and the rock and roll have their match, that the Briscoe brothers show up and attack FTR. hello hello okay anyway that's what I was uh that's what I was saying anyway um so the uh Rock and Roll Express use their uh so they're in a in a steel cage match uh mainly so that none of the horsemen can interfere with Arn and Ollie uh the uh um. There uh the rock and roll got a huge pop, rock and roll used their speed to get an early advantage. Uh, Arne does a great job, selling uh Ricky's punches. Uh, Robert uh misses, a uh so they're up for a while until Robert misses a uh, I think it was a, a, a like a dive like almost like a stinger splash into the corner, and then uh um. He misses that, and that causes a momentum shift where they start getting heat on Robert. Uh, the Andersons work beautifully. They're just gorgeous, gorgeous workers. Um, and, uh, do a great job cutting the ring in half. Uh, there's a hot tag to Ricky, but it's kind of a false hot tag where Ricky uh, go, goes for a comeback but gets cut off. and Then they start bouncing Ricky around the, uh, um, around the steel cage like a pinball. Uh, uh, Ricky ends up getting cut open in the process, uh, but he never stops fighting. That's one of the great things about uh, Ricky Morton. He, anytime you watch him, even when he's selling, even when he's down, he never really stops fighting, stops trying to uh, make some sort of comeback. Every time he gets an opening, he's 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 punching the guy. Um, they're working over Ricky's arms. Watch when they get him into submission-style holds. Watch his face. When he sells, it's, it it's amazing. Like you could just, he's in such agony. All right. I think we might have blowout man coming back now. Hold on. You there?
1: Hello, Dr. Bob. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you.
0: You are, you, are you back?
1: Okay. Hang on. Oh, I pushed the button wrong. Now I'm back on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Apologize. Um, maybe try turning your video off. It might have a hard time, uh, doing the video and the audio at the same time because we're not doing video now anyway. Oh, okay. Let me see. I'll
1: just shut that video off real quick. If it does it stop video.
0: All right. Are we still on? Yeah, we're still on. Oh yeah. You're setting. Okay. You're a lot clearer.
1: Thank you. That sounds amazing. We should just try it like that.
0: So, um, Okay, where was I? I was uh I was going through the match with uh the rock and roll on and the Andersons. And I was talking about how um they get a hot tag to Ricky who comes in and gets cut off like almost immediately and then they start bouncing Ricky Morton around like a pinball off the cage. Uh and uh, I would made a mention of how uh Ricky never stops uh stops stops fighting in a match. Even though like he's down and they're beating the piss out of him, any chance he gets, he throws a couple of punches in and tries to do something. Uh and then I would say, and this is something you were talking about earlier, the way he sells, especially when he sells with his face in a uh, um in like a uh uh a submission hole like a hole right yeah. it's just it's beautiful. It's a great thing to watch. Like, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. You're going to be in for a treat if you're going to be able to see Ricky Morton selling. Mm-hmm. I want to. I, I want to. I want to emulate his his actions in the ring when I'm selling because uh, when I was going to my wrestling practice, they, says they told me I oversold, so I'm in there screaming too much and stuff. So he has just the right amount of of selling and holding back, you know, and
0: it, oh, it's, yeah. it sounds great. It sounds perfect. Well, also he's a small dude, so he can sell his ass off and it makes sense because he's so small but he has so much heart and keeps fighting back that uh you still believe in him um right so there's a uh there's a hope there's a false hope spot and then they get more heat and there's a double ko which turns into another false hope spot uh there's a, a, a spine buster, uh spawn buster uh yeah um Arn hits a great spine buster on Ricky, gets the pin, but Robert makes the save. Then we start getting more false hope spots closer together, and the crowd's on fire. They are just like, every time, because any time in this match, Ricky or Robert started to fire up when they were getting heat, the crowd was immediately chanting, rock and roll, rock and roll, and just getting super into it. Um, Yeah, they scream loud. Oh yeah, then finally there's a quick roll up on Oli Anderson. Arn comes in to make the save. Uh and there and then Robert comes in to break it off with uh with Oli or Arn, I forget who came in to make the save. And then there's Oh yeah, cuz it was it was Arn. Then Ole picks up um Ricky, like he's going to slam him or something, but he's got holding Ricky up at chest height and Robert <laughs> drop kicks Oli who falls backwards with Ricky on top of him and gets the pin. Ricky gets the pin and the rock and roll win. And the crowd went batshit crazy. Just apeshit excited. Uh, yeah. They did. Yeah, good
1: job for the Rock and Roll Express. Good job. I'm glad. I can't wait to you, you see him. I want I want you to tell Ricky Morrison that the blowout man specifically says that he's freaking badass. And him and, and uh, I got both Ricky's R. It's R&R, right? Yeah, Ricky and Robert. Robert got it. Robert, Ricky, and Robert, you guys, you guys showed me what
0: tag team action still is to this day. (laughs) So, um, so I gave this one an A. I thought this was, this was a very, very well done tag match. I don't know if it's quite an A plus because uh, we really didn't get the proper rock and roll comeback with the double drop kick for the victory, but I'll take the victory. I'll take Ricky and Robert still on top. We'll even Ole and Arn to look still look good. Um, what did you think? You liked this match, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I liked it, and um, I liked
1: it. I wanted to give a shout out to the old, old school wrestling reviews guys. They're they're funny. Gay and uh, Jay Hunter and Steve, they um, they always like to t- say Ole uh, and Anderson and Arn Anderson. They do this thing where they. They kind of like when they're going side to side and they're about to fall, they kind of waver in, in the ring uh-huh. and they like to say, aloha, <laughs> aloha. Cause he keeps doing that in slow motion, like he's waving, but yeah. he can't grab him, but he's waving. Yeah. And then he falls. It's so funny. It's like, oh, it's like Arn Anderson's funniest spot that he did and getting to see it as a young Arn Anderson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also for, for the big A. That's listening right double now. Double
0: A. That's what they double called it. A. That's what that's what Rick Flair always called Arn Anderson was double A.
1: Okay. So then here hear me out, double A. I'm gonna send this podcast to you on your on your on your Twitter, so you're gonna listen to it. This is the part right here you gotta listen to, double A. You forgot about the fifth horseman. The fifth horseman is the WWE, unknown superstar, the blowout man, and all the warriors on my back. We double A Arn Anderson. We are the fifth horseman.
0: Okay. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The blow-up man declaring himself to be the fifth horseman. Uh, self-proclaimed, the, the self-proclaimed fifth horseman. And all the warriors. Um so uh, after that match, we get the main event. Ric Flair versus Nikita Koloff. For the NWA World Heavyweight Title in a 60-minute time limit match, Rick gets his entrance, which is very good. Then we get a very, very, very cheesy, very bad uh, Magnum TA and his mom VTR. Did you like? Did you see this? Did you hear about this? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell you, but
1: um, all this from now on to the end of the um, to the end of the Starkey '86, my my uh, my service went out. My service went out real bad oh, a couple no. of days ago, and I had to go. I had to. I had to go and, and scrounge around to try to find Wi-Fi here and there. So okay, um, I'm I'm really interested in this match. I've been building up to this for two years, and Magnum's not here right now. And hearing that they have a bad promo with his mother there. Oh, it's not even a promo.
0: This is a yeah. this is like a, a videotape recording. This is almost like a music video. And it's like no. him running down the beach in slow mo and then his mom's there and like Was there a motor
1: was there a motorcycle involved? No.
0: There was no motorcycle. Okay. It was just all on the beach. And they kept showing cool. this like one seagull flying. It was just it was really cheesy and really bad. And the song they chose made it hmm. sound like, like Magnum and his mom were like in Already love, in or married or something, and she'll oh, love Lord. again. Yeah, it was fucking. It was bad. Like it was weird. Like it didn't oh, make Lord. any fucking sense. Um. Then we get uh, Nikita's entrance, which is you know pretty good. Everybody's chanting for Nikita because of course he's the baby face. Just turned baby face. Tommy Young is your referee, which is fantastic. Tommy Young, probably one of the best referees ever in the history of refereeing. Uh, Certainly the best referee I've ever seen on tape. Uh, Tommy's just fantastic. Um, Nikita is all power to start. Uh, Flair keeps backing him into the corner, and uh, Nikita keeps pushing him down. So Flair Flair, uh, bails to the floor. Uh, Then uh, Flair gets back in, gets Nikita in the corner, and goes to chop him, but uh, Nikita completely no-sells the chops, and Flair goes to the floor again.
1: Oh, uh, my My favorite is when Ric Flair gets on his knees and he's begging you, please, that's enough. That's enough,
0: that's well, enough. We're, we're not quite out, there yet. Time out, uh Okay. Flair, uh, Nikita starts f- just basically throwing Flair around, like hip-tossing Flair around the fucking ring from side Toss. to side. Uh, and then he puts Flair in a bear hug, which Flair sells. And you know how lo- Flair likes to do the, oh, God, oh, oh, no, yeah. oh, God. Yeah, he says that, it, he like, says it. He's selling it like he's about to die. Like, it's one of the best sells to a bear hug I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, because
1: he looks like his back is about to break.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, and this is a funny thing. So, like, like put put your funny hats on, people, because this is silly. Just, okay. just flow with me here. There's a small yeah. opening for Flair where he ends up getting a little bit of offense and a suplex, a delayed suplex on Nikita. And when Nikita comes down... His dick has fallen out of his tights. That's too bad. I swear to that's God, because you can see it. Like, you can see Tommy Young's face when he's looking up at Nikita up in the air, and you see what it happens, and Tommy's like, oh, <laughs> shit. And Nikita, like, falls down, and you see it just kind of bounce there beside his tights, and Tommy Young just kind of reaches down and just tucks it back into his tights for him. <laughs> it's for so him? He is- yeah. He just kind of, like, pulls the tights over it and is like, oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> like completely wow. no cells. Completely no cells. That he's just like handling somebody yeah. else's junk, and some yeah. ring just kind of just whoop. There it goes right back in. That story tops Mick Foley's story. <laughs> he picked up. He picked
1: up um, Al Snow one time, and he said it his 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 nuts came out. Yeah. And so. a stalling suplex and he said it looked like a wren's nest. And he wrote
0: it in his book. Mick Foley, the story, the first oh, one. Have a nice day. Well, um, well, Jim Cornette's talked about this. This happened, <laughs> like this this particular incident, quite a few times. But <laughs> when it happened, because I was like, I was like, oh, this might actually be the match where that happens. And then I saw Tommy Young's face because you see it. You literally, you look at it. His eyes get big, and he's like, oh shit. Like he he doesn't mouth all shit, but he gets that oh shit look on his face. Look. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. So anyway, you know, God's funny. God, God put away my uh, my service for all this. I didn't get a chance to see all this stuff. I I could watch it in the YouTube channel if I get a YouTube and load it up. But ah, that's so funny. I missed out on that. That's a uh, very funny story. So. Um, Nikita's awesome.
0: Nikita. Uh. So, but after the suplex, it's funny because Flair gets up and Nikita completely no sells the suplex. So Flair bails to the floor again. Um, okay. And then he gets back in. He finally starts getting a little bit of offense. And Nikita goes to close on <laughs> him, and Flair ducks. So Nikita goes over the top rope to the floor. And starts okay. holding his leg, like he hurt his leg, because he he actually took a really stiff bump on the apron coming down on his leg. Like like he went over the top and then kind of took a bump. Like like he sat down. Bump. Yeah. It wasn't like oh I'm sitting down. It was like when you like fall down and you land right on your fucking tailbone and you're just like, oh right. shit. But he sells his Out. leg because, you know, nobody works your fucking tailbone. So he's got to sell something. So he starts selling his leg. And of Rich course, Flair's Flair, really good at
1: getting tossed around.
0: And so then Flair, well, no, Nikita sells his leg. Nikita goes oh, okay. over the top rope, sells his leg. And so got then it. Flair immediately starts working the leg because, you know, that's Flair's bread and butter, figure four, which he well, does. He puts the figure four on. And while he's got the figure four on, he's over by the rope. So of course, while the while Tommy Young is over, like checking uh, Nikita's shoulders to make sure they're not down and checking to make sure he doesn't want to submit, Flair's like grabbing the top and the second rope and using them to gain leverage. And uh, it, it's really, yes! it's really good because every time Flair reaches for the ropes and pulls up on him, Nikita just like curls up even more and is even in more pain. Like. Uh, uh. So um, he starts, he gets the figure four, he's using the ropes, and then Nikita reverses the ropes, so they kind of separate. And then Nikita, uh, they go into the corner, and uh, Flair gives Nikita a couple of uh, uh, chops, and Nikita hawks up. And then... Uh, oh, he, he, he does the hulk up too? Well, he doesn't hawk up, but he starts, like, no-selling the chops again, and, like, okay. coming towards Flair, you know. And then he... I forget how it, exactly how it happens, but Nikita ends up on the outside again. And at this point, Flair comes over and bounces his head off the scaffolding. And Nikita gets colored.
1: Okay, so that's why he said that how dangerous that scaffolding is later on.
0: Yeah, Um, and Nikita, for the color he got, which isn't a whole lot, he was down there at the apron rubbing the razor against his head for quite a while, so... Um Aww. yeah. Ouch. Uh kind of like Adam Page, you know, Adam Page every time he gets uh color it's like it's like one like drip of blood comes down his forehead. Uh Ouch. Like Jim said, you got to attack that shit. You got it doesn't have to be a long cut. It just has to be a deep cut. Uh Oh, really? Yeah. He, I I used to think that Vince McMahon had a pre a pre
1: a pre um stitched in uh hole yeah, that all you had to do is take off the, the, the take off the stitch or whatever. I think he had that match with that one guy that had one leg. Remember?
0: Oh God, yeah, I know. Huh. Did you ever yeah. hear the story about how they signed the one-legged wrestler? I didn't hear the story and how they signed oh. him, but I know I know that he had he had cancer, correct? Well, yeah. Uh, what happened was is. Jim Cornette sent John, L- John Laronitis down to Florida to sign a one re- one-legged wrestler. Who knew that there were two one-legged wrestlers in Florida? And oh, John wow. Laronidas signed the wrong one. Oh, wow. So Zach Gowen wasn't even supposed to be a fucking in the WWE. That was John Laronitis' fuck-up. He signed the wrong one-legged wrestler.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, Zach Gowan. So yes, anyway,
0: good job. Um, so Hall of Famer. He bounces off of the scaffold in his own mind, maybe. Um, bounces <laughs> off of the uh, uh, scaffold. Nikita gets the collar. Then Nikita comes in and starts getting a comeback, and uh, uh, we get the flare over the top corner bump. You know the one I'm talking about, where he. Oh yeah, that Shawn Shawn Michaels did yeah. all the time. Yeah. So then he ends up on the floor. And then so Nikita goes out after him and Flair gets his head bounced off the scaffold. And guess what happens?
1: Well the probably the same thing happened to Nikita. So he I gets colored. Busted
0: wide open. Yeah. Like a crimson mask. Well, he doesn't quite crimson mask. It's not the best um crimson mask I've seen from Flair, but he does get busted open. Uh then they come back into the ring, Nikita goes does some stuff, we get a flare flop. Uh then the ref goes down. Uh, uh, and then the, uh, Nikita hits the Russian sickle, but there's no ref. So he pins him and the crowd starts, uh, 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 you know, doing the one, two, one, two, three, and they get up to seven when a, uh, another ref comes down and then, uh, but the, uh, other ref comes into the ring. And R- Flair is already back up, and Flair ducks the sickle, and so Nikita hits the sickle on the second referee. <laughs> oh, shoot. So then the first referee gets up, and he comes back into the ring, and Nikita is has Flair in the corner and keeps pushing the ref back down. And finally, Tommy Young, the original ref, calls for a DQ. So Nikita gets DQ, DQ'd. Right?
1: Yes. Yeah, because you can't put his hands on an official even in a a championship match like that.
0: Got it. So Nikita gets DQ'd. All the heels come in because Flair's in trouble. Like, Nikita's beating the shit out of Flair in the corner. So all the heels come in to save Flair. And, of course, heels aren't going to just save a guy. They're going to hold him down so that Ric Flair can beat him up. So they start getting heat. And then the baby faces, the baby face locker room empties, and they all come out to try and save Nikita, and it just ends up being utter chaos at the end of the pay per view. That's basically didn't it. see, didn't see that
1: coming. I like that ending.
0: So God, uh,
1: I got to see that. That's gonna be a good ending. Just all total mayhem, all and right. it's over. Starking eighty six. Good
0: night, everybody. <laughs> well, they didn't. They didn't say good night. They did kind of clear the ring out, and then uh, uh, Shivani and his buddy gave like kind of a recap of everything that happened, and uh, then they said good night. But uh, uh, yeah, it was. I gave it an A plus. This was a fantastic Yay. match. Um, Hell yeah! Thank this God. is finally getting an A plus around here. This is also one of those matches that I would suggest anybody who. Uh, has ever said uh the uh, stamming streamer comes to to mind uh uh yes first of off has ever said that Rick Flair only has one match and he has the same match every time go yes, watch Rick Flair versus Nikita Koloff and then go watch Rick Flair versus Ricky Steamboat and tell me that that's the same fucking match because no it's not those not even matches close, yeah. couldn't Rick Flair be ball. any more fucking different
1: no Rick Rick Flair knows how to brawl uh, you want to see him brawl, watch him wrestle against Undertaker at age 60.
0: Watch that's him, a damn good match to watch. Watch him wrestle Dusty. Watch him wrestle Shawn Michaels. Watch him wrestle yeah. Sting. Watch him wrestle Ronnie Garvin. Watch him wrestle fucking Lex Luger. They're all fucking different. All of his matches are always fucking different. But I'm they're sure always Flair, fucking fantastic. Yes, he does a I lot like, of the same shit yeah. from match to match. Yeah. But shit, everybody fucking does that. That's, that's just fucking signature moves have been a thing in wrestling since the fucking what the 50s i think since since television yeah, if, any,
1: if anybody if anybody out there was really doing any of their real homework triple h is the one that has the same match every match
0: don't let d-rod hear you say that
1: oh, 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 oh.
0: that's all d-rod's right. boy that's his favorite wrestler of all time
1: yeah triple h is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time too but uh it doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that every time he throws you into the turnbuckle, you're going to come back out for a neckbreaker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know who took the best turnbuckle spots ever? Bret Hart. No, Bret Hart. Wow, yeah, because he hit it hard. He always held it. He always sold it. Like, that's the thing, is a lot of people sell hit the turnbuckle now, and they don't really sell it. It's just like they ran into a pillow or something, and he would fucking, uh-huh. like... Even if he took it like, well, he was famous for taking that chest first uh, 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 turnbuckle bump. But even when he would take it to the back, like he would like crumple, you know what I mean? Like he would take a step oh, yeah. forward and then just crumple down to the canvas. Little yeah, things, Hart, little he had, things. He
1: had he had that he had that real quick whip too when he punched people. Uh-huh. He's just a step above everybody. He's ex- excelled in everything. Excelled in excelled in promos. He's the excellence of he excelled in execution. He, he excelled in, in everything, and he's gonna always be the best forever.
0: Yeah, that's the, the uh, best um, ever was. That's the uh, the shirt I'm wearing to the pay per view, or not the pay per view, but the show I'm going to. I'm wearing my Bret Hart yeah. shirt because I was like, I don't want to wear an FTR shirt to have my picture taken with FTR. That seems a little too markish. So I'll wear my Bret Hart shirt because everybody fucking loves Bret Hart. If you don't like Bret Hart, like, what the hell are you even doing watching wrestling?
1: Yeah. I have
0: uh, bad uh,
1: issues when his brother passed away.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I had a horrible reaction that I've been dealing with with PTSD for my entire life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's one of those reactions that would possibly turn me a uh, heel for yeah. all the other wrestling fans around the world. So that's why I always get real bad anxiety when I talk about Brett Hart because when he passed, I saw it at a young age and I was really immature at that time. And I didn't know how to react to this passing away. And so I've spent my entire life trying to dedicate myself to living a, a, a good life and, and trying to be a good, a good man. And maybe one day living up to Brett the hitman hearts, um, respects or admiration. But to this go. day, I don't bother him that much. I don't treat him that much. I don't, I don't, disrespect him that much i don't send him a lot of bs and once in a while when i have something really good to say i'll put his name on my twitter feed and i'll send it to him (laughs) but um this is the first time i'm really out outright saying it if you've ever wondered why i don't really uh get too all amped up when i'm talking like Brett to him and heart style it's because when his when his brother passed away it affected me a lot dr bob that day i watched it live and i didn't have the right reaction everybody else in the world has the proper reaction to Owen passing away but my immature ass I had a different reaction when he died. I, I, didn't, I didn't get all, all hurt. I just got, I, I didn't know what to do. I was just too young. So.
0: It's okay, babe. It's a, we, hey, look, look. And, and this is for everybody out there. Everyone listening to this podcast, you have to understand that you, as a human being, will make mistakes. And you are allowed to make mistakes. And you are allowed to make bad judgment calls. And you are allowed to do and say the wrong thing. However, right, right. when someone says, hey, that's that's really like not, not really the way or, or somebody's like, hey, let's why don't you think about it like this? You have to at least stop and listen <laughs> to what they have to say and consider it. They might be full of shit. They might be a fucking moron. There's a lot of fucking morons out there. But uh uh Don't. Uh, don't not allow yourself to make mistakes or not allow yourself to fail at something or suck at something or anything because that's just part of being a human. <laughs> We're not all going to be good at everything. That's just how it is. Um, that was yeah, my little... I appreciate uh, that. My that's little, it, Dr. Bob. My little mental health update for for y'all. Of course, I don't apply yeah, that, that to myself. Anytime I fuck anything little up, I immediately, like, uh, regress to being 10 years old and thinking that I'm just awful at everything because— That's not <laughs> so, true. That's you know. not true at all. I, exactly. I, just... I know that that's not true, but, you know, no. this is—these are, like— you know, when yeah. you suffer from depression, when you suffer from mental illness, you can't help these thoughts. You can't control them. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, what you can do is is do your best to mitigate your emotional reaction to them and to let that reaction kind of dissipate before you uh, acknowledge them or before you act upon those, uh, uh, those, those those types of thoughts. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, thank you. This has been a real helpful experience for me. I got it off my chest. I hadn't had a chance to say that yet. I good appreciate thought. it, you guys. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not uh, a heel. I'm not a heel. Uh, and Owen Hart, I pray for his soul all the time, and I pray for his family all the time, and Natalia too, and yeah. and um, one two three kid, and they're they're all going to be good buddies of Ohana Wrestling someday.
0: So, Absolutely. um, so moving on from Owen Hart, yeah. uh that was really good i gave uh, uh starcade 86 overall got a b which i think is pretty damn fair i think that the that a b to a b plus somewhere in there I, I almost gave it a b plus and i was like oh there were some matches i didn't really like and 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 some stuff that was not my favorite so i was like we'll go with a B. I i think a b is a very good grade to give it um So that's the it. That's our season finale. But do you want to hear what's going to happen next season?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat, Dr. Bob. Let's hear this. In
0: two weeks, the season premiere, the third season, season three premiere of Back to the Ring will feature Survivor Series 1996. Main events, Sid Vicious. Versus the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. The other notable match. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Versus Bret the Hitman Hart. Wow. You are not going to want to miss our review of this pay-per-view. That Bret Hart versus Stone Cold match. Is one of my all-time favorite Bret Hart matches. I love Bret Hart, anytime Bret Hart and Stone Cold got in the ring together, it was absolute fucking magic because they most people don't understand or, or remember that uh, uh, Steve Austin was a great technical wrestler, was a great worker, and and working yeah, with somebody like Bret, who was also uh, a technician and so smooth and so pretty and just everything, everything Bret did looked effortless. <laughs> So I just—it's a fantastic match. I'm pretty sure there's an Undertaker match on the card too. There's probably um, it's Survivor Series, so I'm sure there's a a couple of forgettable Survivor Series matches. But uh, uh, you know, I, I know you, I know you want to see Stone or want to see Sid Vicious versus HBK.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I want to see Sid Vicious's psycho Sid uh, persona. Mm-hmm. I gotta see. I like to see his intro, his uh, his facial expressions, and I really do think that Sid Vicious hears voices in his head,
0: like Randy Orton.
1: Worse.
0: Oh, Worser worse than Randy Orton. Worse than yeah. Randy Orton. Well, that's good yeah, because Randy Orton's got that really badass theme song, and uh, I I'd hate to to think of Sid Vicious every time I hear that theme song. But yeah, which by the way is one of my like top five favorite WWE entrance musics ever is fucking I hear voices Uh, God, I love that song
1: I Like the ultimate warriors intro is one of my all-time favorites Mm -hmm. I Wish I could use that intro before I hit up on open mic nights on on out here
0: in the Hilo Tavern. That'd be cool. I like his intro, but I think that's it's so specific to Undertaker That like oh no, I didn't didn't mean the Undertaker, I meant the ultimate warrior all oh, the ultimate warrior, the dong, Yes, that's that yeah. that's how I that, that's how I do music for people. Yeah, I, I do I
1: do that's how I do
0: it. Yeah. But uh oh yeah, well I mean my uh, ringtone for the longest time was uh was Dean Ambrose uh entrance music. Which Oh yeah,
1: with the motorcycle?
0: Yeah, the <laughs> i love that stuff i loved it man uh now yeah, it's a
1: uh, huge ambrose fan
0: now it's uh i well i got an iphone and and uh uh because i'm clumsy as shit i had to get a case for it because i'm not breaking my fucking you know several hundred dollar phone that i bought yeah so, i
1: have an Box too no big deal mine's falling apart
0: but um, so I bought a case for it, and the case is R two D two from Star Wars, obviously because oh, I'm a huge sweet. fucking Star Wars fan. So I was like, "Well, fuck, I'm gonna like," because I usually put it on silent mode all the time anyway. But when I have it on regular mode, my uh, my text message, my alerts, and my uh, ringtone are all various R two D two beeps and buzzes and whirs. So. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like shit, like that. When um, so that's when, when it calls. That my other favorite ringtone I ever had was the MacGyver theme. Uh, if you ever watched oh, I MacGyver don't, as I don't remember a kid, how
1: did MacGyver used to go? MacGyver used to go MacGyver. Dun, dun, dun.
0: Oh wait, hold on. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> <speaking> yes, quality programming we're bringing you all this week, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Right.
1: That was what about what about um that Hulk Hogan uh show that used to come out? What was that called? What, the rock and wrestling? No, the Hulk Hogan show that he had when he was uh on he was like a f- I think he was either on the beach or was
0: he uh... was it the reality show or the uh Oh Hogan, god. no I... no I know the one you're talking about. He was a fucking like like a um like a cop or something with a jet ski or some crazy yeah, shit. Yeah, they had a boat. They yes.
1: That a, a bad that they had a badass boat made out of metal.
0: Oh I god, think it was like I remember thunder, that. Thunder,
1: thunder Thunder. It was called Thunder Thunder something.
0: I wouldn't was the car it was called Thunderboat. I wouldn't Thunderboat, be surprised. I think so. yeah that um,
1: show is bad
0: so right, let's let's, let's go ahead and end the recording for everybody for this week but I got a special treat for people that might happen to be in the uh, um, on the twitch uh, streaming so uh, I I need to drop that for everybody Um, real quick before we end the show before we end our recording um, I gotta do a shout out to uh Blow Up Man, you can follow him at Ohana Wrestling. You can follow me at Back to the Ring or at Bob Zivon, preferably at Back to the Ring because that's where I do 90% of my tweeting. Uh, You can um, follow us on uh, any major podcast platform, which is probably where you're listening to us right now. Hit like and subscribe. Uh, if you have any issues with the show, you can uh, try and DM me on Twitter, and I might listen to you, and I might tell you to go fuck off, depending on <laughs> what your issues are. Uh, mm, let me see. What else can we do? we got a plug, putting you over, uh, youtube.com backslash putting you over. Is that still the home of uh, uh, the blow-off? It is. It There's is. It's an all-new episode home. that just came out. Home of the blow off, ladies and gentlemen, brand new episodes, the best, uh, the best wrestling recap under five to 10 minutes, probably in on YouTube. I'm, I'm not kidding you folks. If you want a wrestling recap and you want it done with passion and intensity and a little bit of craziness, watch the blow off. Um,
1: Oh my gosh, Dr. Bob, that's a great compliment. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're doing it on location right now. Uh, Anywhere we can park, and anywhere you can set up with a nice location. And I'm going to write down everything. uh, And everything we talk about on the on the podcast too is going to be on the show. So we're all one big
0: giant family here. Um, Don't forget to watch uh, the LWF. The LWF will be live this Thursday with the uh, the first four matches in a uh, in a tournament and actually not one, not two, but four tournaments for all four major titles in the company. We will also have Spud the stud taking on Shane McMahon for the television championship. That's right, folks. It's going to be, here comes the money. Yep. Here comes the money. And here comes the spud. Uh, so it's gonna be good uh, you can uh, you can catch us uh, on Twitch uh, definitely you'll uh, uh, want to follow the link in the uh, bio at back to the ring uh, if you're listening right now you already have the twitch so you don't need to even fucking worry about it um, I can't think of anything else I really need to plug right now does uh, there anybody you want to give shout outs to their blow up man
1: I give shout outs to all the warriors. Dr. Bob, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's been an awesome season. Thank you very much. Let's get all fired up and say prayers for next season. Um, My beautiful wife, Jessica, I love you with all my soul, baby. And our brother-in-law, Robert, who's in uh, Oahu right now, getting treatment for um, his fall he had in Hawaii. But he's getting treatment for it, and he'll he'll be getting better, I promise.
0: Oh, goodness. Well, thoughts, uh, tots and pears to him. Yes, uh, of course. Definitely, definitely. He'll be in my thoughts. I'm not a, I'm not a prayer you. or a religious person or a mystic or anything, but I definitely will be thinking about him, and I wish him the absolute best and a very, very speedy recovery for him and uh, uh, and for you guys as well because I'm pretty sure, I'm sure that you guys are worried about him, and uh, I don't want you guys to have to worry. So uh, there you go. All right. We're going to close up this episode of Back to the Ring. Uh, Don't remember, uh, we won't be here next week, but in two weeks we will be back with the Season 3 premiere, Survivor Series 1996. Until then, in the words of the great Tully Blanchard, who we just saw win the world television title in the sneakiest, heelish way possible from Dusty Rhodes... It's been your pleasure. Good night. Good night, Warriors. Love you, baby.